Yeah, we'll start it. Um, and wear my witch earrings for the occasion. <laughs> Little witch hats. There's not really a whole lot on this movie that I could find, to be honest. I think it literally just like came and went. Like literally just like a little TV special. It came on like every year on Cartoon Network. Mm -hmm. It was like, but, like but there yeah. was like nobody knew nobody knows it. Nobody knows I that. I don't even know what production company made it. Yeah. It kinda... looks it gives me hoodwinked vibes. Like the more I watched it, I was like, this animation is like hoodwinked for sure. <laughs> the little girl especially. Yeah. Okay. And like, why is she the only one with normal eyes? That's what Sean said too. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. But that's what Sean Honestly, pointed out. When I, when I first turned it on, like, I remember Jimmy looking like that, but I didn't remember all of his friends Anybody looking else? like that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't remember everybody having these creepy little beady eyes. And then the little girl walked out and was fine. And I was like, what the heck? <laughs> why Why do all the friends have beady little eyes? Yeah, Sean, Sean had never seen it. And he, he was like, why is she the only one that has real eyes? And I was like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh. And when they blink, their like entire eye, like eyebrow blinks down because it's just like a big cave-in. I was like, their character design is scarier than the monster's character design. Yeah, you'll see that in a few places. You got the characters with the NPC eyes, but mm. <laughs> they, uh, they bug out. Uh, you know, you get to see their scleras at certain points in the movie <laughs> yeah when they're at the towards the end when they were like getting mm -hmm. scared like in the basement and then they had full eyes i was like that's more terrifying i see why they went with the beady yeah. eyes because <laughs> they look <laughs> yep. weird with white eyes now for sure so well uh we are in the midst of our episode on scary godmother halloween spooktacular on the thodcast conversations about animation uh, thanks, guys, so much for coming on the show. Um, so, yeah, we've got Alex and Heather joining us from the uh, great state of Georgia. And I'm Philip, Philip Elke here in northern Minnesota. Um, yeah, this is uh, this was a fun, you know, pleasant surprise. Uh, this little uh, ditty that we're discussing today, a little <laughs> kind of made for it's looks like it's a tv special from cartoon network uh right so uh yeah i i think kind of the germ of this episode was was it you alex who first suggested it, it might have been bridget she's it unavailable was, it was heather it was i was trying oh. to think of what this was called and i think heather was like we should do scary god i think i think you suggested it at the same time that i was like there's this movie I used to yeah, watch. Yeah, you can remember the name of it. Yeah, yeah, and um, so, but was, like as you were uh, talking about it, I was like, oh, that's scary, Godmother. <laughs> like, yeah, that was that. I can. I've I've thought about this movie every year for years, and I I could never. I never really cared enough to like <laughs> Google and mm -hmm. figure it out, but also like I think about it all the time because I was like, that was like such a cute little movie. I I you know what like I. I don't have cable anymore, so I don't watch it any. I don't, you know, I don't see it come on. I don't even, they probably don't even play that anymore, to be honest. But I had not thought about that movie in so long. And this happened last year, too. It's close to Halloween. One of, I, I can't name drop because I don't remember their uh, name, but someone I follow on TikTok cosplays Scary Godmother. 
and it like when I saw their cosplay I was like I know who that is like who <laughs> what character is that and it made me look it up last year and when they um did it I saw them like repost the same ones this year and I was like I love this movie <laughs> yeah I like it a lot too I'm glad I'm glad like we're on this like little Halloween movie movie binge. I did not know there was well if I did it was when I was a child I had I did not know there was a sequel until y'all brought that up today I didn't I didn't know either I didn't know either but Philip said he watched it so I'm gonna still have to like yeah if it's I mean the good thing about the movie is it's like it's pretty short and sweet like 45 minutes it's just there's not a lot to it it's just really short and cute and I feel like the style was like kind of ahead of its time like you don't really see that style of animation the voice acting and the characterization of the characters like mm. still holds firm and like the jokes all st- I was laughing like as an adult. The jokes landed amazingly. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that's really aged is just the animation. But I mean that's what are you gonna do about that? So, I like the style. I thought Yeah, it'll it, it definitely it like, like a mix. the movie. So like yeah. it's wacky and kooky just like the movie is. So like it wasn't I wasn't distracted by right. the more old school computer generated graphics so, than I thought it would be other than the BDIs. <laughs> it's a vibe and it I don't know you see the uncanny valley creep through in sort of similar almost lo-fi style animation in other projects or stuff that just really wasn't quite up to the level that you know animation computer animation is capable of nowadays um one example and uh, heather you also suggested uh the movie monster house which i'd actually really like to yes. cover now after watching this yeah we that, should this week why not so i am i'm i am not like an adrenaline junkie like i don't like to be scared i don't go to haunted houses i don't like even like the ones at the fair that don't even work like the little broken down ones like i don't i don't like those like i don't like being scared so i don't watch scary movies <laughs> so when it comes to scary movies like i only like kids scary movies but monster house is like even though it's a kid scary movie like it's still absolutely terrifying like i will have i had nightmares about it for weeks like it was so scary and it's like yeah i don't know it just went in different directions than i thought it was gonna go but i mean i know that's one for another another podcast no yeah maybe next time that is a film from robert zemeckis's production company i believe image movers (laughs) who did, recently did work on Pinocchio, uh, speaking of animation. Yeah, they uh, had a lot of Candy Valley in that <laughs> Uncanny um, And then the, of course, the yeah, Polar Express, you know, the Christmas Carol, a uh, Christmas Carol, um, oh, Beowulf, uh, Mars Needs, Mo- <laughs> Mars Needs Mobs. That that one kind of made them go under as, as sort of a independent studio. And now they kind of do stuff adjacent to other film projects yeah i think they just probably had to downsize but i i did see image movers credited in association with this new pinocchio film so they Hmm. still exist you know who did scary godmother what production yes no they're called mainframe mainframe entertainment um and they yeah have been else oh the reason why this is such a successful product uh, is because it they do have a, an established pedigree 
mainframe is responsible for kind of the famous early CGI uh, kids shows, Beast Wars and Reboot. So they have a style. They really they kind of know what they're doing when they're having to deal with like this television budgeted scale of, yeah. uh, of TV animation. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, you know, with their experience in TV animation um, and kind of this more simple pared down style, they, they know how to make the most of it. And they avoid the uncanny valley by not trying to push it into sort of. Yeah, they did Barbie yeah. and the Nutcracker. The characters mm. are very pointedly cartoonish. Like yeah. even art monsters who are just people are still very stylized, which was nice. Yeah, I'm reading about the animation now. Uh, um, They like used a bunch of things like put together and then like a lot of their... um, The dancing, the dance scene, they use um scenes from peanut special the dream scene from the big lebowski and scooby-doo cartoons were references for the dance sequence you use the animation mixer to blend and reuse facial expressions like they yeah and they added the fur was added um Harry mm-hmm. yes. bugaboo and also to the godmother's hair and skirt and the tutu so they like they they mix that's what i like about that animation style is it seems like there was like a lot of mixed yeah and like mm-hmm. most of the background and like the setting was more it wasn't 2d but it was like flat like it didn't yeah. have shading mm-hmm. um and presented itself as more cartoonish and flat rather than the care and the characters would still interact with it so it was yeah. just like all the houses were really cool looking it just looked like something straight from like a child's imagination to yeah. me like i i think like that's what like i like about it like you don't really see like a style i don't want to say you don't see style like that because you do but like not in this type of way yeah i just uh i don't know if oh yeah heather you're on your phone so you might not be able to see like i linked an image in the an image in the chat um for the zoom chat but like um and it's it's one Mm. little poster that um and it's very low res it makes it look as though like the scary godmother character like is kind of a uncanny valley image i i think that's maybe the first thing that would come to a lot of people's mind if they just saw like maybe one brief frame or still from this this short film uh but still like like she's not like i know she's definitely not a real person because like like her neck is so thin her like her like her proportions aren't proportionate to like actual people Mm -hmm. so that i feel like that like helps avoid that a little bit exactly um, yeah, the is and it's not so like these are clearly bounded um, you know, assets. These character models, they you know, some, especially more recent uh, computer animation, will intentionally break the models. You know, go way off model to really hyper stylize uh, characters as well. Um, you see that in the Hotel Transylvania films. 
created by uh, Gendy Tartakovsky, who did um, a bunch of, you know, Samurai Jack, Dexter's Laboratory, um, mm-hmm. Primal, this is a new series, I think now on Netflix. Um, but yeah, that with, with his kind of first stab at CGI, they really tried to go for kind of the classic Chuck Jones, Tex Avery, you know, Looney Tunes style. Uh, this is a little bit more like they, they're still almost like the the maquettes or the um, armatures that they use for uh, like a nightmare before Christmas, you know, that um, yeah, like, like a yeah, they um, reference they reference that in the Wikipedia too with the visual style for Scary Godmother. It very much uh, is very Instead of much- like reminiscent of that. They were yeah. trying to way the vampires look and the way scary mm-hmm. like she's like more extended kind of like skeleton jack so. yeah that's definitely its own aesthetic and this manages manages to replicate that in a way though that's distinctly you know computer animated it's it's mm-hmm. pixar-esque but also that sort of the jittery uh tim burton style uh which is kind of cool it, it really is its own thing um, and and it looks good, like if you, you know, especially in the context of like this, you know, Halloween milieu, um, it, it works really well. And I can't really think of very many other things that that sort of match it. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see stuff nowadays. You could probably make a computer animated sequel to Nightmare Before Christmas and have it look kind of visually I- identical, have everything really kind of. Mm-hmm. um <laughs> analogified um but it, it's always better well okay alex you shared a, a trailer for an upcoming netflix movie yeah um, the window and wild thing that's right yeah yeah it that looks, looks, that looks, it looks like it's stop motion but it's not is it it could very well be cg but i think is it a Leica? it's definitely henry selick who directed it and it's produced by Jordan Peele and Keegan-Michael mm-hmm. Key. It's a, it's like yeah. a monkey paw. I, I think they would probably want to make it all be, you know, true stop motion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looked, it looked fun. I think it comes out, like, kind of too close to Halloween, but we could try and squeeze that one in before. I don't know. Yeah, we'll talk about it. Um, yeah, like that art form you know it's unfortunately not the most um even you know some some of the latest uh offerings from Leica studios you know the stop motion films haven't done the best box office wise so it's not always the most lucrative um style crazy because i feel like people love that yeah, I don't know. Uh, what like what's the most recent example of something that performed well at the box office using? I feel like the, I feel like the last well performing one that I can remember is Coraline. Yeah. That's, that's what came to mind immediately as well. Like I know definitely more than that that have come out since then, but that's like the biggest one I can remember, and I didn't even see Coraline. Oh, what really? I, I, I've watched it as an adult, but I didn't oh. see when it came out. Oh no, I didn't. I didn't see it. Like indeed, this is this is gonna be Selick's first feature film since Coraline. Wendell and Wild will be okay. Um, but there's yeah. been one like like the Little Prince came out, right? Is that what it was called? 
Yeah, Le Petit Prince. Yeah. yeah, that came out. I think it was Netflix. But like, so there's been other ones since then. That was really I, good. Um, there and it was also. But I thought Florian was the last big one. Yeah. But was... I mean, I I could probably name on one hand the amount of stop motion movies I actually know of. So. <laughs> Kubo was really good. That was um well, I, I I didn't see that one, but I did remember seeing commercials for it, trailers yeah. for it. Yeah, not super uh high profile release, unfortunately. And and then of course um oh the the missing link. If you remember oh. that. <laughs> I I know people love like Chicken Run and Wallace and Gromit, but like something about that and like the way they stylize their characters and do their mouths, like it's mm. just so unsettling to me. I cannot watch them. Like I'm not saying the movies are bad. I just cannot watch them. <laughs> like character design kill me. <laughs> so unsettling. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, let's see. Wes Anderson had a. The island for dogs recently no, or I he did i yeah one. i didn't know that was i mean i guess i did know it was stop motion but yeah i really liked i love dogs mm-hmm. it was fantastic mr fox stop motion yeah i'm looking at a whole list of them now too yeah i'm just stalling because i'm trying to confirm whether wendell and wild is you know shot yeah i couldn't find i couldn't find the animation section um on the wikipedia page about their about it doesn't really say much about it so i figure maybe once I feel it like if it's by the same guy who made Coraline, it might as well be i think yeah, yeah i don't he probably wouldn't have done it you know unless he I just got it decent... else they would have got him if it's not so yeah uh, i i would say the most successful thing that at least emulates that style is you know the lego movie uh, where mm-hmm. it it is made to it look like, like yeah mm-hmm. uh, but yeah this you know of course yeah it's it, like they don't make any attempts to really map textures onto these characters skins in scary godmother the only exception is like yeah uh, bugaboo that's his name the bugaboo mm-hmm. and the werewolf <laughs> yep he's he's one of the monsters incorporated yeah and then the werewolf that actually uses you know hair uh, modeled hair as well as you know mapped hair yeah um but yeah no, no like attempts at really other kinds of textures and stuff mm-hmm. uh the a lot of the furniture and some of the you know um inanimate objects are like these cool cell shaded looking uh practical or not practical models um you know computer models um it looked like something that you might build in blender or you know just kind of just very um very stylized as well Mm -hmm. but yeah that's kind of comments about the the overall look like first impressions of the look of this thing because it was very like colorful but very strictly like halloween colors and like each character had a very precise like color scheme and so that was nice to be able to like it helped with their characterization so yeah even, even with like hannah like her eyes like her like we said her being the only one with normal eyes out of the humans um like it just made her seem like that much more like tiny and innocent and like a baby <laughs> yeah you know 
she's clearly very young, especially based on that hairstyle. It's like you don't really mm-hmm. see characters with that hairstyle who are above, you know, f- the age of four, the little right. thing she's got going on. <laughs> and then, yeah, but she does sound intelligent. You know, she doesn't sound that much younger than the other kids. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like the story, like it's not a first person narrative, obviously, but like mm-hmm. she's the main character. Mm-hmm. And it centers around her. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like that might be why she seems so, like, intelligent, too. Because it's kind of, like, her experience. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. The other but characters... I don't know how old she's supposed to be. They literally call her a baby the whole time. So. <laughs> yeah. But they did a good job fleshing out the other characters, which is kind of why it's, it's so funny that they, they are just given these BD generic eyes mm-hmm. oh the four kids are so or one yeah the four kids they're so funny like their conversations and like you would think that they're just like like i don't know like sometimes there's like in especially for made made for tv specials like there's just that like dumb humor that mm-hmm. like you think well little kids will laugh at this but like the jokes were like very spot on and like i like alex said like i found myself laughing at them like even watching it yesterday like they just were like timeless jokes that were like actually funny and witty so it was it was really nice like the one kid dressed like a piece of candy and every time they kept every time they kept telling people what they were dressed as he'd just be like i'm a piece of candy and it was so funny <laughs> baseball player driving an suv and he was like well obviously he's a baseball driver a baseball player driving an suv and he's like finally someone gets it like i thought that was, he was like i like your la- your laser gun and he's like see <laughs> see that's yeah, definitely. First thing you associated with baseball players, they they love their. It was. It's just. It's just so silly, but it's just. Mm-hmm. It's like, but they really do act like children. That is exactly. That is oh, exactly yeah. how children are too. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like they were trying to write them to be these like complex characters. Like there was no. This movie, like watching it, I was like, this is just so like basic like it is what it is it Mm. there's not really a whole lot to it like the plot's very straightforward like and it was very like at times it was very self-aware which like I feel like I've definitely seen that happen like more days now but like I feel like as a kid like that was not something they did in tv shows like they did not have like the first the first movie I ever remember seeing with like a self-aware character Mm. was like Cusco and like Emperor's New Groove, but like other than that, like that was it. Like there was no like wall like, breaking or anything. Like that. Right. Yeah, and the characters like, especially hey, like I think the werewolf did it the most in this. But like mm-hmm. the characters like very often kept breaking the fourth wall, which was like not like necessarily ahead of its time. But like I don't remember a lot of movies doing that. When right. I was so it was like really genuine and funny. Yeah, and it didn't it didn't take itself too seriously. So. No, and sometimes nowadays stuff gets, you know, self-aware to the point of it's just kind of annoying and cliche too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, back in in this era, it was it was a lot more fresh and um, uncommon. These, uh, of course, originated as uh, children's illustrate illustrated children's books by mm-hmm. uh, Jill Thompson, or children's books and comic books. Uh, beginning in 1997 so that's partly probably why they're well written it's just this uh this artist and an author jill thompson who kind of based a lot of these stories on her own um life experiences 
uh, sort of address, you know, coming up with something that she could, you know, use to relate to her own, um, you know, she, I don't think she was having kids at the time, but her siblings were. So she was, she thought about like, you know, what's something she could do for her, uh, for nieces and nephews um, and something, you know, fun for them to enjoy when she was kind of like this offbeat character that, you know, might, uh, might be a little bit eccentric, you know, I guess, you know, we all have those eccentric aunts and uncles, or I'm probably one of them. (laughs) Uh, But, uh, you know, she found a way to channel that into her art. And uh, she came up with kind of this wacky character. Um, of course, we we did discuss uh, another series recently, um, The Bad Guys, uh, of course, uh, recently adapted into a DreamWorks film, and that originated as a kid's comic series as well. Uh, did you guys, uh, I think I did that with Bridget. Yeah, I didn't watch that one. Okay. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't watch that one. Cousin took his daughter to go see it at the theaters, so. Also uh, c- contains a anthropomorphic wolf so hmm. uh just looking up these memes of um n- now there's uh a meme that is movies as if they were written by joss whedon have you heard of this Mm-mm. it's like taking scenes from various films and just making them ultra self-aware to the point <laughs> of <laughs> like annoying um i should see if i can pull up one and hold it up to the camera but like um here i'm trying to like google everything you're like saying um yeah this is uh nazis in inglorious no it's it's not inglorious bastards but something um let's see oh wow a nazi with a gun how original let me guess you're gonna tell me to say heil hitler instead of cheese when you take the photo and that's that's the photo with the caption uh, just like uh so that's kind of where we're at now whereas uh, this film kind of strikes a healthy balance of self self-aware and sincere it's not oh. too much it's like little winks at the camera or like little um mm-hmm. it's just yeah i i didn't even really notice that that really happened too much but now that you say that i'm like that definitely did happen it was mostly the wo- the werewolf. He did yeah. it the most. Uh, and it sort of t- teaches a lesson too. There's some, you know, interesting uh, little themes, morals you know, sprinkled throughout. As, and it very much yeah. like it had a lot of like, I guess kind of like tongue in cheek jokes that like kids definitely wouldn't get, but like mm-hmm. adults probably would. Like, I, I don't know how you guys felt about this, but the, um, skeleton was very i guess like flamboyant uh-huh. and he literally when he's introduced he comes out of the closet right <laughs> oh right and so yeah. that like was a little in joke that like i got by the end i was like oh i see what they did there mm-hmm. yeah not uh n- not hiding too much uh, this is a little bit uh transparent shall we say uh no i love that character though i mean oh yeah first i want like like my favorite monster i was like if you want to turn this into a musical go ahead because i think this character could pull it off 
Mm-hmm. Uh, here's a, <laughs> sorry, this is the last one. This is uh, from um, Silence of the Lambs, uh, Jody Foster. I'm sorry, you said your name was Hannibal and you're a cannibal? <laughs> Little on the nose, don't you think? It's like if your parents named you Dr. Eats People. Uh, anyways. Oh, the the cost. So the kids' names are um, Daryl. He's a little blonde kid. Um, oh, crap. I'm forgetting already. Katie. Bert. Bert. And then Jimmy. Jimmy. Hannah. Hannah. Um, Jimmy and Hannah are cousins. Uh, Daryl's we're uh, dressed as a piece of candy and i heard an anecdote from when, a youtuber what's that i i love when he says i'm a piece of candy because he explains his thought process behind wanting to be a piece of candy mm. he says i figure the people will see me and see the candy they give us and think it's too small so they'll <laughs> give us more and i i lost it when he said that because it's so funny like it's it's not just like he was lazy and just wrapped a piece of plastic around him to be a piece of candy like he had a full thought process for like why he was gonna be candy yeah some some thought definitely went into this um but it's youtuber uh who was the first person to make me aware of scary godmother uh youtuber um saber spark talks about animation on his channel oh, yeah and i think he referred to like a friend of his or someone who knew who uh who did a dressed up as a piece of candy basically on halloween except the uh candy was modified in a certain way uh essentially it was uh it was a piece of candy with like a razor blade inside of it oh gosh (laughs) uh that's pretty great yeah, and the you see like these kid, the older kids, you know, they're discussing their thought process, and this is like something that you know most people have probably experienced at one point, kind of being the odd person out, and uh, they're you know conniving, conspiring on how to ditch Hannah because she's kind of dead weight for them, um, you know, her uh, or uh, Jimmy's mom's forcing them to. Or him to bring Hannah along, go trick or treating, um, and then, yeah, I mean, just uh, this idea of you know being in a situation where these kids are act are you know essentially bullying, but in a very subversive way, and I, I would say that's probably a a cautionary moment for for parents too, because like if there's one thing that's really not cool, it's like <laughs> abandoning. I guess their idea was that she would get scared from being in this dark abandoned house and, and want to go home. And then uh, they could go trick or treat in peace and then they end up missing Halloween completely <laughs> waiting on her. Yeah, I, I would, uh, you know, I think parents should really stress that like, well, you know, as much as they might trust their kid to like take care of the sibling or the cousin or kind of the, the under uh, underling. Um, they should probably really reinforce that. Like, even if you're tempted to get swept up in this sort of, you know, mob style uh, teaming up on the underdog um, to, you know, definitely not, you know, 
give in to that, um, you know, that tendency or, or that um, peer pressure type of mm-hmm. thing. So it's a, it's a bit of a cautionary tale against that. And then, you know, the whole idea of like, you know, not judging a book by its cover too. You know, we, we had that moment with the um, King Vampire who mm-hmm. I think his name is Max or um, anyway, he feels insecure or self-conscious when he's at the party because he's sort of out of touch being this ancient, you know, centuries old vampire and has, you know, doesn't feel comfortable in some of these social situations now in the 21st century. Uh, so, so that was, that was kind of a nice, a neat little touch as well. Yeah. Everybody had their own like little things about them that were mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like to make them like more human, you know, cause like Hannah's whole thing was that she was scared of monsters and then, Mm-hmm. scary godmothers like well all my friends are monsters and like they're not scary like look like <laughs> and then like when hannah finds out later she's like oh big kids are scared too like and, and he's, then- he's like oh jimmy i scare him every other tuesday or like yeah like, i scare the pants off of that guy <laughs> it's funny yeah no it's uh yeah these characters i guess they the monsters live in this um they call it the uh, fright uh the fright, fright side yeah fright side <laughs> so i guess there there's maybe some kind of you know it was kind of like and she's like here just like use use this key to open up any door and i was like i don't remember if this came out before or after uh monsters inc but it very much like was like oh this is like monsters inc yeah <laughs> go through the door and you're there yeah, Monsters Inc. was 2001. This was first premiered in 2003 at San Diego oh, so Comic Con. After, okay. Yeah, a little. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder if there's like a supernatural source of blood for the vampires so that they don't have to victimize anybody. True, true. <laughs> they do keep making jokes about like eating people, though. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know these obviously you know it's, you you got to be um cordial with the uh, strangers and not you know accuse people of being monsters and things like that but i guess uh once you reach a certain age you then might learn that um you know sometimes boundaries are crossed <laughs> but uh to refer back to pinocchio it's like we're all given a conscious we all should kind of at least have a kind of a gut sense of when uh we're in a place of discomfort <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah in this case it's just you know in an innocent little kid show uh, cartoon network it did release in other countries uh a year earlier than it did in the u.s uh it first aired halloween 2003 in canada and other countries because uh, this is a canadian production company uh, mainframe um, so i guess that for, for whatever reason um, they were contracted with distributors in other countries to to release it earlier than they did on cartoon network so not really sure all the kind of production uh and 
post yeah i i guess like all the politics of how this premiered but uh if it was like commissioned by cartoon network or what but apparently not all canadian voice casts so i couldn't huh. you know <laughs> i couldn't tell you who any of these folks are or if i recognize them from anything else i i didn't recognize not 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 by name i don't i didn't click on names and deep dive into that or anything no they did a good job okay so some background um from the all-powerful wikipedia i guess this this is based on a stage production of the first scary uh, scary godmother book it's done by thompson and runamuck productions that ran at a chicago community theater in 2001 Ooh. um huh. this, uh, that would be cute show to do <laughs> yeah because uh, it, it does use longer shots than most animated films up to 45 seconds. This decision to emphasize the dialogue's humor that he noticed in the stage show. Zeke Norton, is he? Okay. Oh, Ezekiel Norton. Zeke Norton. Yeah, he's the director. Um, and then in 1999... The uh, mainframe entertainment got rights to produce a scary godmother television series. The plan was for uh, it's a series targeted at girls from eight to 11, age eight to 11, with a budget of 350,000 for each of the episodes, 26 half hour episodes. Um, but that eventually got reduced, and then conflicting opinions arose between the staff over what what to adapt from the original scary godmother and it ended up that you know they just uh, decided to do these two tv specials so far there only been two and uh yet to know um uh, let's see uh norton and thompson so director norton uh, author jill thompson announced in october 2020 that the uh, television series was potentially still in the works which uh, with all the, I think there's a lot of residual nostalgia from kids who saw this on Cartoon Network. Um, I think Definitely. a lot of people, yeah. So apologize for all my rambling this episode. It's, uh, I just saw these and. Uh, it was a short, it was a short m movie, but I feel like there's still like a lot to it. So yeah. I'm, a lot of other good conversation points. So yeah. I've only seen it once, so I'm, you know, struggling to remember every little detail, but uh, it's it's pretty clear. Uh, and then I did watch the sequel, the Scary Godmother, Re the Revenge of Jimmy from I'm 2005. Have to watch it. Yeah, um, maybe cover that later on on the Thodcast. There were some really funny moments in that too, so definitely recommend it. Yeah, I don't know what else. Uh, I do have your notes, Alex, from Hocus Pocus, if we want to move on to that. But uh, Honestly, any other thoughts? Like, I don't ever remember. <laughs> That's why I printed your notes. I've already watched it. It's like in one year out the other. Like it's you can like I probably you know what? I probably did make some good points in that notes, but we can go over them. But I promise you, like anything I said, like I'm not going to even remember. Uh, it's but all right. I'll try. Oh, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, it, There's a whole. uh. <laughs> So, well, 
I guess the main plot of the sequel revolves around Jimmy, but kind of a recurring theme where he's being told not to make faces at the dinner table. Like he's making all there's like a direct references to Dr. Seuss's how the Grinch stole Christmas. You know, the, the, the revenge of Jimmy is basically an adaptation of how the Grinch stole Christmas, but set during Halloween. <laughs> um, and so he's making all kinds of weird Grinchy faces and his mom, you know, warns him, you know, if you keep doing that, they'll be permanent uh so that reminded me of kathy and jimmy's character in hocus pocus and i that is probably an example of like a (laughs) what would actually happen if you made weird faces (laughs) too much and and it got stuck (laughs) in that that configuration um but uh any any other thoughts from from you two I don't have I don't have uh we nope. It's it's a very nostalgic movie. Um yeah. when I was I was telling one of my friends about it, I was like, Oh, I'm I'm gotta rewatch this video for this podcast I'm doing about it. And they were like, What are you watching? And I was like, Scary Godmother, and they were like, I don't know what that is. And I was like, if I show you a picture, you will know what it is. And I pulled out like the little picture of like the little cover. He's like, Yes, I'm familiar with this. I remember this. So it's just like a very, a very nostalgic, like definitely like one, one piece of time for a lot of people's childhoods. So, mm-hmm. and it still holds up. Like the jokes are still funny. Like we said, the character designs, the voice acting is all great. Um, and I feel like that's kind of hard to come by these days. Yeah. Reminded me a lot of like fun video games from that era that I you know, remember playing as a kid. Kind of has that vibe too, like a a video game, a, a really well crafted video game cutscene. You got those games like Psychonauts or there's like a America McGee's Alice in Wonderland uh, video game, kind of gothic style. A few others. Uh, uh, oh, Grim Fandango by Lucasfilm. I don't know if you've heard of that. It's main characters are these de, de los Muertos skeletons. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if any of those were a direct influence. I was trying to think of anything else that might have been a, a direct influence on this one. You know, definitely the Dr. Seuss connection with the sequel, but um, the scary godmother. I don't know. It's familiar tropes, of course, with the you know, fairy godmother, Disney, you know, fairy tales and things like that. <laughs> you know, Mr. Scully Pettibone, you know, he's he's very fabulous. A voice that sort of almost reminiscent of um, I think his name is Fred Schneider from the B-52s. You know, the, the Love Shack. Love Shack, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> and I just thought of that. <laughs> just the the scene of the, the, you know, the scary godmother's house, just like contorting and dancing. And, and it's like <laughs> when you see a when you see a, a shack doing that. You know, I think the first thing that comes to mind is maybe something a little bit uh, beyond the scope of a, you know, kids movie. But uh, <laughs> I don't know. They were there. Everybody's shaking and I'm moving around in the love shack almost um, hmm. clearly. This man did a lot of. A, he did a lot of voice acting. Uh, the voice of Scully. Mm-hmm. He was also he was also the Count Max in this movie as well yeah but he he did a lot of 
he was in um he was Piccolo in Dragon Ball Z. He was um he did like a lot of anime. He did Inuyasha. Um he did a lot of anime stuff. Hmm. It looks like and then the other the scary godmother lady, she's done a lot of voice acting too. I'm just like going through to like see hmm. Yeah, they've done they've done stuff, just not anything like probably that you could like think of off the top of your head or like by like recognizing by okay. hearing it but interesting yeah, makes sense um a lot of i don't know if you kind of want to skirt um some of the unions you know the uh, sag after like extra expense of having to hire uh, union actors for some of these kind of a smaller scale projects like anime uh, dubbing or you know like a canadian tv studio they'll they'll usually go with other sources for their talent um yeah scott mcneil's australian born canadian actor seen here hmm. in his uh, fabulous white cowboy hat <laughs> looks like a rocker uh-huh yeah did not look what i expected mm. him to look like at all yeah, it's it's a, a pretty uh, pared down cast. Not not too many actors. A lot of them performing multiple roles. Uh, let's see, the voice of Hannah has a headshot. So I wonder has she been in other stuff? Yeah, hers is hers is pretty lengthy too. A lot of them have done um, work together. At, at look, it seems like some of the things like crossover, like um, Scary Godmother did quite a few Barbie movies, and so did this um, The Voice of Hannah as well. Mm-hmm. Some Barbie movies. She was also Sabrina in the Sabrina um, cartoon. Okay. Huh. Yeah. Friends Forever. I don't know if anybody watched that, but mm. I did. All right. <laughs> Many a witch to be found in these subjects that we're discussing this month on the Thodcast. Mm-hmm. And so um, I was just going to see, uh, Heather, did you watch the new Hocus, po- Hocus Pocus? I have not watched it yet. I'm actually having a family Halloween party this weekend and may be watching it with them. All right. But I've been, I've just haven't gotten around to it. I actually though, so like, nobody hate me for this i don't think i've ever actually sat and watched the original hocus pocus all the way through before Uh like i've definitely seen it like i've seen it and it's i've seen every part of it but i don't think i've actually ever sat down and just watched it like i think i've just seen bits and pieces of it all throughout my whole life you know like i know what the plot is i know the characters but it was just never a big thing in my house i guess i don't know i didn't see it until a couple years ago so Uh but I mean, I like it, but I, I'm just not as not obsessed. Like a super I guess. fan, like yeah. No, I was my big, my big movie at Halloween was I was a Halloween Town girl. Mm-hmm. Me that whole series, and I watched Don't Look Under the Bed because that was such a good one. So those were those were my Halloween movies. Okay, let's see you. Uh... Alex, you said you really liked the movie Hocus Pocus 2, yeah. uh, despite negative reviews, but you like the modern day setting and that it doesn't hold a black flame candle to the original, <laughs> but a cute sequel. Um, say something about the um, 
let's see there wasn't there wasn't much to that this the, the sequel compared to the first like it this one was definitely more like for family to like sit down and watch versus it just had a more juvenile feel than the first one did but like not in a bad way the uh, original hocus pocus was a bit of a precursor to the decom you know the disney channel original movie and then this one kind of went full decom yeah could say but like i'm <laughs> i shouldn't say no movie is going to theaters nowadays but like it's it's really not a, a signifier of much of anything now when a movie that perhaps could be of the scale to be released in f theaters doesn't uh, because it's just it's not necessarily a, a very profitable venture to release in movie theaters nowadays um, so you have yeah like Ron Howard's latest movie you know didn't wasn't released in theaters um, I think that was called 13 Lives I mean you had the new Robert Zemeckis Pinocchio I mean so many things um, that uh, that it's not surprising at all that something like Hocus Pocus 2, you know, isn't going to theaters. Uh, I think there's some other interesting upcoming um, either Disney live action or, you know, you had, all, had that string of Pixar movies that didn't go to theaters either, um, despite, you know, Turning Red, for example. I think uh, it was just like streaming and then COVID and... yeah. Yeah, Wendell and Wild. So yeah, it's but that said, Hocus Pocus 2 definitely um you know felt felt like a, a bit of a I mean it was it was pretty objectively a step down, but still enjoyable and, and the Sanderson sisters were definitely in their form. Alrighty, well uh this was fun chatting about some scary godmother from the year 2003 um uh, some f rather i you know on first blush yeah the animation doesn't look great uh but once you kind of sit with it it makes a lot of sense and then and it kind of grows on you like it's not disturbing. i like I, that was like that's like one of my favorite things about the movie was like the style of it i feel like it was just very intentional like mm -hmm. I love it. I wish more movies were kind of in that style. Like, but maybe that's just also like me being like nostalgic about it. Well, um, something more recently that does have kind of that sort of plasticky look to it almost. Sort of the the more classic wireframe CGI was this movie from Studio Ghibli released to HBO Max called uh, Earwig and the Witch. So mm. Did either of you see that? No, but we we love those we love those movies. Mm -hmm. but no, we haven't seen. I haven't even heard of that one. Is it is it it's newer? Yeah, it uh, it was a recent release. I think twenty twenty came out during the pandemic. Oh uh, wow! No, I haven't even heard of this. I don't know if it was released to theaters anywhere let's see yes directed by the son of Hayao Miyazaki mm -hmm. um it, it does it has a very low box office uh figure uh so I don't I don't know if let's see October 18th 2020 is when it came out uh, directed by Goro Miyazaki 
Um, so I don't know if it was intended for theaters, but it's, it is very kind of blocky, you know, not a lot of, um, detailed texture or anything like that. Um, but interesting, like it's, it's a decent story and it has to do with a girl who's adopted. She has a witch, uh, a scary stepmother, you know, she's adopted by a witch and her husband. Her name is Earwig. Like that's silly. Yeah, I. That's crazy. I'll have to check it out. You said it's on HBO. Yes. Okay. Cool. Got that. Uh, similar. Yeah, we. I did talk about it on the Thoughtcast with my siblings. Um, so, if you want to hear any thoughts about Earwig and the Witch, uh, listen back to that episode on the Thoughtcast. Um, Heather, thank you so much for chatting, uh, coming on the yeah, show. Thanks for having me. Sorry, it was so hectic yesterday, but oh no, uh, hair appointment, right? Uh, looks nice. Schedule <laughs> 45. And I, they, the, they were like, our first client came in and said they needed highlights and they needed a full on color corrector, and it took like six hours. And I was like, okay, um, that's fine. And they're like, can you come in at four? And I was like, I really need to get my hair done. I have my cousin's wedding coming up. And I was like, okay. I need to get it done before my the wedding. So I was like, I guess so. And then I got there and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be back in time for this podcast. No, it's totally cool. And uh, would love to have you back uh, anytime, of course. But also you did suggest Monster House. So we'll uh, be you know, figuring that out as we go along the rest of October would be okay. fun to get a few more episodes in uh, related to the spooky season. Yeah, uh, of course, uh, I know you're an F1 fan, so I got to ask, what do you think of the world championship, uh, Max, and all that <laughs> jazz? <laughs> I, I don't really have a, I don't really have a comment. It's been kind of boring for a while because he's just won like every race. So it's been like, OK. Um, I I really love Carlos Signs and I like Checo and it's almost like like not not this week's race obviously but last week's like it was almost comical how mm -hmm. they were concerned about how everyone else was doing in the race and they like didn't even mention that Checo was in first the entire race and he was in first the whole time and yeah. I was like it's like they just didn't even like care that he's winning and I was like sometimes like you love the just the people they choose to comment on sometimes. It just gets kind of boring talking about the same people over and over again when I'm like, okay, yeah, we get it. <laughs> yeah, so you got to keep up with all the, the midfielders, you know, the well, McLaren all... versus Alpine, <laughs> because that's the where the interesting fights are now. The... <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So like behind the scenes stuff and like I, I really screwed myself over because my first mm. year like kind of watching it and getting into it was last year. Mm. And obviously last year was like up till the very end, like a battle. And so this year has kind of been like, Oh, I wonder who's going to win. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. It's always the same people. So that's yeah. uh, the FIA and their inability, utter inability to get their crap together. <laughs> this yeah. whole, yeah, right. incomplete rule that made it so nobody realized Max was champion until he was in the middle of his post race interview or mm -hmm. uh, who, who was it? Was it? Oh, gosh. It wasn't Charles who was being interviewed when they realized it, was it? Or uh, uh, was it Checo? Charles, 
Charles was in second. And if he got second, like, there was still a chance, quotations, like, he would have literally yeah. had to for the rest of the season. Mac, yeah. Like, Max would have had to not every race from here on out. And, like, that's just not happening. So it was, like, kind of obvious that he was going to win anyways. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, of course. Official until they found out that Charles got third. And then it was like, oh, well, okay. <laughs> I, I'm kind of glad that now people can just stop talking about, oh, we can, you know, he, uh, we have a new world champion or we don't or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's still the, in what constructor, the constructors is still up for grabs, I believe. So. Okay. I love Checo, so I, I hope to see him continue to do well. Yeah, I hate for him to get like stuck in the shadows the whole time when he's an excellent driver. Mm-hmm. Curious about Ricardo. I feel like he should have just taken a seat at Williams or Haas. I mean, I enjoy those teams. I, I love Ricardo, and I'm not happy about how it's looking for him right now. Hmm. But I definitely don't think he was happy at McLaren. So I'm kind of glad that that'll be done. I used to really like Lando, but I'm liking Lando less and less these days. Hmm. I, uh, really uh... disingenuous in a lot of his <laughs> interviews. Oh, he's a... I mean, he's a snark fiend. I, I kind of enjoy that about him. And yeah. he, but he's snarky to Ricardo, and I like uh, Ricardo, so I don't enjoy that. Yeah, I don't follow a lot of like McLaren's own social media. Uh, just what I see on the main broadcasts, but yeah, yeah. my friend me into F one loves Ricardo, so he's like mm. followed him everywhere and follows all McLaren stuff. So. Mm. Well, fun stuff. And uh, back to Alex. Uh, any further comments before we sign off? Nope. Nope. I was just reading about Monster House. All right. <laughs> I was like figuring out where to watch it and stuff. I've seen it, but I've only watched it one time. And it was like probably when it was like brand new. So mm-hmm. it's got Mitchell Musso cool. in it. Yeah, I saw that. I saw a lot of big names in it. I didn't even realize. So I'll be excited to check that one out. I'm hopefully sometime before next week. Yeah, the scary godmother is. You can find it on YouTube. There's a like a high quality 4K stream of it. So I'm gonna have uh, to watch the sequel sometime before the month ends as well. Mm-hmm. Now that I know it exists. Yeah. Right. Check that out. And uh, yeah, uh, Alex, any social media? No. Which you, Heather, any social media to plug before sign off? Oh, um, if you're following me on Instagram or TikTok, it's Southern Rose Cosplay, but it's just cosplay content, not anything related to animated movies other than cosplaying characters from them. So there you go. All right. Well, thanks so much, uh, Heather and Alex. And you can find the Thodcast, uh, Thodcast.com, at Thodcast, Twitter and Instagram, streaming Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Um, I'm Philip Elke, at Philip Elke on Twitter and Instagram. Well, uh, I guess uh, that concludes today's programming. So we'll... Wish you all a uh, magical day, a wonderful week. Uh, And then as uh, stated in the sequel to Scary Godmother, Jimmy's Revenge, uh, got a a nice fun little line to sign off uh, for today. Uh, Happy Halloween to all and to all a good fright. (laughs) 